Wow, good morning, church. How's everybody doing? Awesome. Yeah, we don't get to do this a lot, so uh, this is an amazing time just to be out here in the park, in the nature. And uh, my name is Aaron Domingo, and I, I have the privilege and uh, definitely feel extremely honored to be preaching God's Word today. Um, if you are visiting with us, we've been doing this series called Greater Love. And we've ta- been talking about uh, just having a greater love for God also means having a greater love for people. And so we're going to be continuing that series. I'm really excited to be able to share with you guys today. And so to get started, uh, I just kind of want to do a little life update. All right. So um, in January, uh, my wife and I just became brand new homeowners. Yeah. We definitely feel uh, extremely, extremely blessed. Now, this is my first time owning a home. Uh, my wife, uh, before she met me, owned a home as well, uh, before she met me. But it's been kind of overwhelming, to be honest, being a homeowner. And I feel like our lives have kind of been just going 100 miles per hour, just trying to get things done, trying to get situated. And, um, you know, the few days before moving in and the few days after moving in, we probably had a bump, me and my wife, an argument, like every day. Right, correction, actually, no, it was like every day we had a bump or a fight. And we're actually still trying to get help with it even today. Right, it's already been like about a month and a half. Um, but it's been kind of crazy, um, to say the least. And then my, also my mother-in-law moved in as well. So there's just a, a lot of transitions going on. And I started to think to myself, man, it was so much easier moving as a single person. Right, you get all the excitement, but like less stress. Right, I remember being a single person and, and moving into different households. And it was really exciting. Like, I looked forward to kind of just forging the relationships, right, building memories together. And anytime I move into a single household, our single households will always have these ground rules, right? Like, you need ground rules because if you're living with like four to five to six people in a two bedroom apartment, you need some rules to follow, right? And, um, you know, we'd have rules like, okay, who's going to do what chore? Right, the chores need to get done. Or we'd have a rule like, you know, have a mandatory household meeting. Uh, I, remember, I remember having this rule where we couldn't wear our shoes inside the house. And you know, anytime there's rules, right, there's always someone that tries to kind of go around the rules and kind of find a loophole. And so I had this brother um, with the shoe rule, he'd always crawl around the house with his shoes on. And so you see this grown man crawling around the house to try to, you know, not take off his shoes. Right. And so when you think about it, like when you think about relationships and you share space with people, right, there's kind of these rules, these universal rules that are really not really uh, that are kind of unspoken. Right. Like, for example, like if someone texts you like three paragraphs, you don't text them back K. Right. Or, or this number. Right. Um, another rule that I thought of, like. If you handshake with somebody, then that's in cement, right? You have to, like, be a, a man of your word. Like, if we shake on it, you have to do it kind of thing, right? There's another rule that um, is heavily adopted by the world, and it's, it's this rule of reciprocation. It's this idea that if I give to you, right, if I pick up the tab, then you got to pick up the tab next time. Or, or if I do you a favor, then you have to do me a favor, Right? It's the rule of reciprocation. Now, when you think about that, it doesn't always work. Right? I can think about a lot of different rules, but two things that come to mind right away. So, it doesn't always work because not everyone's always on the same page. 
Like if I go to April's house, I go to their house, I clean their, their floors, I do their dishes, I clean their yard, mow their lawn, right? And then I expect them to do the same. Like if I just sit around at my house waiting for them to reciprocate, it's probably not going to happen. Like I'll, I'll be living in a pigsty kind of thing, right? So not everyone always gets the message, right? Or if you're living by this rule of reciprocation, uh, you'd be, you're going to be easily frustrated, right? Especially if there's these unspoken expectations. People are going to let you down. This, this is how we are, right? So it doesn't always work. Now, what's amazing is that when you think about Jesus' day, he was going around and he was always upsetting the rule followers of his day, right? Because he would say things like, okay, you've heard it was said, you've heard of the rule, you've heard of the command, don't commit adultery. But I tell you, if you look at a woman lustfully, then you've already committed adultery with her in your heart. Or you've heard it was said, you've heard of the rule. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. Right? This is what Jesus was about. He wasn't about just following the rules. He was about something deeper. Right? He wasn't just about the surface. God wanted to know, okay, what's really going on inside of here? Tell me how you really feel. Jesus didn't follow just a bunch of rules. You know, my goal today is to talk about how the love of God, how the love of Christ goes above and beyond just simply following rules. Right? That He loves with no limit. That He goes beyond the expectation. That reciprocation doesn't apply. I'm going to go above and beyond to show you how much I love you. The title of the lesson today is To Love and Beyond. You know, like infinity and beyond? To love and beyond. Got you? Yeah, got me. Alright, my first point is God goes beyond. Like I said, we don't do this a lot. I want to take advantage kind of, of our beautiful setting here in the park. So what I want you to do is I want, to take, I want you to take a deep breath with your stomach. We learned this in the marriage uh, retreat um, last year. So if you, if you breathe with your stomach and expand your stomach, your stomach is going to hit this, what you call a vagus nerve, and it releases endorphins. So go ahead and take a deep breath with your stomach and breathe out. Breathe in with your stomach. Breathe out. And I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to recount all the ways that God demonstrates His amazing love. Think about all the different ways that God has continued to be faithful in His love for you. You know, maybe you think about your baptism and being in the water, knowing that all your sins are going to be forgiven. That you receive salvation. If you're married, maybe you think about your wedding day. And being able to be there on the altar with the love of your life and being able to say, I do. If you're a parent, maybe you think about the birth of your children. What an amazing blessing that is to care for a child of God. Or maybe you just think about all the different ways that God provides for you. A car, 
your health, clothes, money that you're taken care of. You can open your eyes. First John 3, 1 John 3.1 John says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us. Now, I love this scripture because God says that He lavishes His love. And when you think about all the different ways that God has shown you love, don't you feel overwhelmed? You feel lavished on. Take out your Bibles. Turn over to Romans 5, verse 8. I want you to read that verse to yourself. If you don't have a Bible, maybe you can share with the person next to you. Romans 5, 8. God is communicating that He demonstrates just how much He loves us through sending His Son to die for us on the cross while we were still sinners. Right? When we were at our worst, not when we were repenting, not when we prayed, not when we decided we needed God, but when we were sinners. He looked over and said, I'm going to die for Augie. I'm going to die for Leah. I'm going to die for Scott. You you think about this, and if this is the only thing that we've ever received from God, it would be enough. Amen? We wouldn't need any more. We'd still be considered blessed if this is the only thing that God had done for us. But what's so amazing is that God didn't stop there, did He? I mean, all the things that you just replayed in your mind, God doesn't stop there. He goes, it's time and time again, blessing after blessing. How He orchestrates our lives so that we can be closer to Him. God goes above and beyond with His love for us. And I want to start off this lesson like this because if you don't feel filled by God or connected in that way, then it's hard to give to other people. When you don't feel connected to God... It's hard to be it's hard to fill others. It's kind of the attitude, well, I don't really owe you anything. You know, here we sit two month, almost two and a half months into the year. And I just want to ask, how's your personal time with God been? A lot of times we go into every year wanting to grow spiritually, wanting to grow in our faith, wanting to get closer to God. But how has your personal time with God been? Has it been a priority? You know, to have a different year, it all starts with your relationship with God. That's where it needs to be different. You know, when you feel loved by God, your willingness to serve is greater. You're more inspired to go out on faith. You'll even be grateful for the challenges and discipline. If you believe this, then your time with God is going to be sacred. You know, the truth is, when you think about this too, like, man, if you're not close to God, then nothing really ever becomes enough. People can give to you. You can have all the stuff. You can have a car. You can be married. But if God, if you're, if you're not close to God, then it's never enough. My second point here is to love and beyond for others. 
to love and beyond for others. When we're filled by God, we're able to fill up others and to go above and beyond for others. You know, one of the best examples that we see in the Bible of this, of, of compassion and kindness, is in the Good Samaritan. Turn over your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. It's an extremely well-known verse. We're going to read this starting in verse 25. It says, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to, G- to test Jesus' teacher. He asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going by down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. We're going to stop there real quick. And so there's a lot to be said about just even the interaction between the expert in the law and Jesus. Um, but I'm going to strictly focus on this parable here. And so the story starts out with this defenseless traveler and he gets robbed and beaten and he's left to die. He's half dead, it says. Now, priest and a Levite both pass by on the other side. Now, I'm not exactly sure why they didn't stop. There could have been a lot of reasons. Maybe they didn't want to be inconvenienced. Um, maybe they felt like they were too busy. I know that if you're a priest or a Levite, you have priestly duties. And, you know, touching a dead body would consider you unclean. So maybe they were thinking, okay, well, this is my priority. I need to go and serve in the temple. And if I touch this person, I'm not going to be able to do that. Right? There could have been a lot of reasons. Maybe that was the reason. But when I look at this, I think one of the biggest reasons why they didn't stop is because they had that heart of, it's not my responsibility. This person isn't my responsibility. My responsibility is to go to the temple and serve God in that way. To follow the rules. To not go above and beyond what I'm supposed to do. Because if you think about being responsible for something is a huge motivator. Like my new house, I feel like if something needs to get done, then I got to do it. I can't wait for other people to do it. I'm responsible. And I want to share something with you today that not a lot of people know about me. Only a few people know. And it might come as a shock to you, but I'm still going to tell you. I don't like public speaking. Now, you see me up here, I've done this before plenty of times, and I look fine, okay? Because I'm up here and everyone's looking at me, i got to say something, right? But you should see me the two weeks prior to the lesson. I get extremely nervous. I feel a lot of anxiety and pressure. Like so many things go through my mind. Like you should even ask my wife. Like we've had um, some bumps and arguments and we're still getting even help with this now at times. Like I just get so fixated on this. I kind of block everything out. And even in my mind, like I, I, I kind of think of scenarios of maybe why I don't have to speak. Like I think sometimes 
oh, maybe Scott or Jake will call me and, you know, they kind of screw up the schedule, so you don't got to preach. Or I think about getting sick and I don't have to preach. I even think about sometimes, like, maybe God will call me home. Like, that, that goes through my mind. I'm serious. Like, it's, it's my flesh responding to the discomfort that I feel. And I'm sharing this because I want to tell you why I still do it. Why I put up with the discomfort and the anxiousness and the pressure that I can feel. And the reason I do that is because I have a conviction that this is my church. That I'm serving my God. That this is my responsibility. If that there's a need in front of me, then I'm going to do it. It's Aaron's. It's mine, not no one else's. It's my church. This isn't a church that me and my wife just go to to just get fed. Or I'm not in this relationship with God just to receive. That this is my responsibility, and if there's a need that God puts in front of me, then it's my responsibility, and I'm taking ownership of it. And it's okay like if we get a little, a little uncomfortable. That's what Christianity is about. It's okay to feel a little discomfort and a little bit of pressure. It's going to be okay, right? I feel like we have to take ownership of our relationship with God, with our church. This is our church. This is our God. Let's take responsibility just like the Samaritan did. Whatever need that you feel, that you see around you, whether it's in the church or outside of the church, let's take responsibility. Let's continue reading verse 33. It says, But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the, the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robber? We see the Samaritan, and he goes above and beyond for the man. It's inspiring to see, right, and hear, and to, to kind of read about this Samaritan going above and beyond. He took a few days out of his schedule to help this guy recover. But at the same time, when I look at this man, this really stretches me. Like, I've helped out people before in different situations, but it's like, how do you even kind of relate to this? Because later in verse 37, Jesus says, go and do likewise. That this is the picture that he paints when how, and how we should treat our neighbor. And to me, it's kind of overwhelming. Because according to this parable, whether I know the person or not, I need to consider them as my neighbor and be willing to go above and beyond for them. And so how does this look like? Like, how does this look like practically in our lives? I think, if, well, if there's someone that has physical needs, then we need to meet it. If it's in front of us, I think God is calling, to, calling us to take care of that person. Now, the other thing that I look at, that I see in this, is that we've got to remember that it's a parable as well. And that any time Jesus is communicating a parable, he's trying to hit a significant spiritual lesson. And what I believe that spiritual lesson is, is value people because God values people. Value people because God values people. The greatest investment that we can ever make is in people. And we see that in God 
giving us Christ. Think about that. How, how would our lives be and the people around us if we valued people the way God does? So I think anytime we get the opportunity to extend love and show compassion and mercy, we need to be all over it. That treating someone as a neighbor is truly going to be the second greatest commandment in our walk with God. In Matthew 7, verse 12, Jesus says, So in everything, do to others what you would have them do for you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Does this sum up your relationship with others? That if you reflect on your walk with God, the two greatest commandments of loving God and loving people are at the center. You know, I think practically as well, how we can apply this is just really asking, okay, how can I go above and beyond for my spouse? Or how can I go above and beyond for my coworker? Or how can I go above and beyond for my brother or sister? If we actually ask ourselves that, how can I do this? We definitely make a difference. Now, I do understand, I don't want to be naive. I know that there's so many needs to, to meet. Like everywhere we look, every area of our lives, I'm sure there's needs to be met. And sometimes we can't meet all the needs. However, I do think that we can't be okay with not just doing nothing. Like I never want to have the heart where if I'm just too busy, I'm just not going to do anything. And I feel like these past couple months have been kind of like that where, man, we're going, you know, we have all these different, um, all different things to do and things to get done. And I just feel like, man, I'm really busy. And so, you know, this, this, um, this series that we've been doing has really helped my heart. But to be honest, like, I, I really haven't slowed down enough to really engage with the needy and the poor. I feel like this season in my life has been pretty crazy. But I don't want the attitude of, I'm just not going to do nothing. I feel like as disciples, we do have to be solution-oriented. And this is really small, but this is just something that I've been doing that I've been able to just kind of go uh, do as I go. And so what I've been doing is just collecting bottles and cans. And, you know, I can't even do this number. It's kind of humbling when you get, uh, put your hand in the trash can and you kind of look around and see, see if anyone's looking. You know, kind of that thing, I'll stop on the side of the road and pick up any bottles or cans that I see. And this is something small, so I'll recycle. And the money that I get, I'm just going to give to the people that ask me or the people that I see at the side of the road. Like, that's what I've been doing. I mean, it's something small, but that's what I can fit. And so I think if we just have that in our mind, okay, what can I do to give? You know, Jesus paid the ultimate price to give to God's people. He went above and beyond. In a few moments, we're going to be taking communion together. I think the biggest reason we have the ability to show no limits in our love and give selflessly and sacrifice is because Jesus gave to us first. Turn over to Philippians chapter 2. Paul tells us just how much Jesus went above and beyond for his love in us. Verse 6. It says, Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something 
to be grasped. This verse says that Jesus is fully God. And that we have to remember that he, his, his existence didn't just happen in the manger in Bethlehem. That he was the eternal God since the very beginning. And he didn't use that as an advantage when he was here. Verse 7, rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Jesus didn't stop by just becoming a man. He became a servant. He took the lowest position in society. Verse 8, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus went above and beyond in humbling himself. Jesus was humble in that he was born into poverty. He was humble in the temptations he allowed and endured. He was humble in weakness, tiredness, and hunger, and the thirst that he experienced. Jesus was completely humble to his heavenly Father. He was humble in being submissive to the Holy Spirit. He was humble in allowing shame, mocking, and public humiliation in his death. He not only died, but he went above and beyond and died the most despised and despicable way. Jesus dying on the cross shows no limit to what God will demonstrate on how much he loves us. As we take communion, let's reflect on how much Jesus goes above and beyond for each and every one of us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, now we come before you grateful for how much you love us. God, that you don't just stop at the cross. God, I mean, that's the pinnacle of your love, but you continue to show us love, God. You continue to extend mercy and grace. God, thank you that our relationship, relationship isn't built on this reciprocation. God, that you're faithful even when I'm not faithful. God, that you forgive me even when I don't forgive others. God, thank you, God, that you love me that much. God, thank you that you love us that much. God, I really pray right now, God, that we can connect with the cross. God, that it fills us, that it moves our hearts. So much so that it's overflowing to the people around us. God, we thank you for all that you do. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.